Welcome to In the Garden with Rick. We're so glad that you're joining us today. Um, we welcome your suggestions, your feedback. Um, you can contact us different ways. Uh, it's an honor to be able to speak to you and to have you as part of our audience. We hope to entertain, make you chuckle a little bit, and learn a little bit about gardening. This week when I was walking around exercising around town, Max and his wife were stalking me. <laughs> So how are you today, Max? I'm pretty sure you were stalking us. You know, every place we would drive, there you were. <laughs> this dark van pulls up with with uh, tinted windows, and uh, oh my, dark men sunglasses, in, and we walk out in a black suit. And next thing you know, there's aliens. Yeah, nearby. men in black. Uh, <laughs> so we've been talking about the author in the alley. Um, it's something that it was done when. The bookstore was downtown, and now the uh, city is going to continue that. Could you give us some more details about it? Well, the, the city is who approves the alley to be shut down, and they did approve the alley right next to where Keystone Books used to be. Uh, Betsy's is there now on uh, 138 West Main Street. It's the alley in between them and uh, the furniture store. Uh, it'll be on September 18th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., uh, Dimple Times is sponsoring the event, uh, and we are inviting local authors. Some of them come from various places around Ohio, uh, but it gives you a chance to meet some authors on a more personable level. Um, authors can email the Circleville DBA, which is actually the DBA is who runs it. They're the Downtown Business Association. Uh, you can email them at DBA at gmail.com to get details if you're an author and to find out more information about sharing your books and being there for the event. I know in past year when the news, the uh, bookstore was uh, sponsoring that, I met a lot of great authors and read a lot of great books. So it's really worth the, the time to go down and, and meet the people, fascinating authors. And, and we're relatively busy unless it's a rainy gloomy day and at that point that just people don't want to come outside as much so uh, right. one, one year i remember a few years ago it stormed real bad and literally there was water up to the curbs and it was crazy <laughs> we were drenched and and we brought it inside the bookstore then we don't have that liberty this time so we're, we're hoping and praying for a nice sunny day and come out and meet authors and then there'll be arts and crafts around other parts around town so the september fair is what the circleville dba is doing uh there'll also be chalk art in one area that arts around is doing so there's a lot of activity and things happening that day in downtown circleville this is september the 18th from 10 a.m to 3 p.m it's worth it's worth going to it's a free event for you to attend um and obviously, the, the vendors who are there do pay a little bit to be able to show their wares. And then the Downtown Business uh, Association, their main goal is to attract people downtown. So you hopefully come in and visit the day at downtown businesses, too. And could you give us the uh, email addresses and how they could contact us about the In the Garden with Rick and uh, the articles that appear in the paper? You can visit dimpletimes.com, fill out the uh, request form there. There's actually a special request form for... Uh, 
people to send questions to for Ask the Gardener. Uh, you can also just send it to Good Times, Good Times, Good News, Good News at DimpleTimes.com. I'm flashing back to what was that? That was a sitcom way back when. Yeah. Uh, that, that guy selling uh, Medicare insurance was up yeah, on television. Is that JJ, JJ Dynamite? Right. Uh huh. Well, we, we do appreciate your feedback, and we appreciate you know, any ideas you might have or suggestions. What's that, that address again? Good news. I had to think about it now. I'm all messed up. Like good news at dimpletimes.com. That's that's the easy way to get it. And if you get it to us, then we'll forward it to uh, Rick. If you fill out the form, then he gets a copy of the form direct. Good, good. Okay. Well, today we're going to talk about hummingbirds. But before I do that, I came home the other day, that day that you guys were stalking me. <clears throat> I came home and they weren't really stalking me. I'm just joking. But there were aliens. There were aliens, right. <laughs> Well, I got home, there was a raccoon in my greenhouse tearing it up, and then I had a, a crab apple tree that had fallen half over, been ready to smash everything. Oh, wow. So at 7.30 at night, I had a, a bunch of guys came and uh, cut down the tree. Some things got smashed, but I gave them a lot of credit. They really were good about keeping things from getting crushed and smashed. And Did, you know. Didn't hit your house, though. It, well, I was more concerned about my plants, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more concerned about the garden than I was my house. Well, unless one of those branches went through your window, and then you'd have some different... Uh... I, don't know, I still think I'd been more worried about the plants. <laughs> well, we'll be back in, in a little bit here. Welcome back into the garden with Rick. We're talking about hummingbirds today. A couple mornings ago, I always get up at dawn and walk around my garden and see what the raccoons have eaten and torn up and feed my fish. And I was standing, I have a middle arbor and a middle gate, and I was standing there and I heard this squeaky noise and like a bee humming. And I looked up and there was this hummingbird about four inches from my face. And I, I was afraid it might like get my eyes or something. And he seemed as surprised as I was seeing him or her. I heard this weird chirping and fluttering. And uh, I've read that hummingbirds are not afraid of humans. Actually, hummingbirds are very aggressive little birds. Well, they probably know they can get away from you fast enough. Yeah, they, uh, they, they beat their wings at 50, 50 times a second. Can you imagine that? Wow. 50 times a second. It's a blur when you see them. I mean, it's 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 actually very cool. And then it's like zip, 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 way it moves around to different areas. There are f four to six species of hummingbirds that visit Ohio. And, of course, the most famous and the ones that actually breed here are the ruby-throated hummingbirds. That's the one that has the famous, you know, red around their throat. The females don't have as much color as the males. And they're only about three or four inches long. They weigh 0.1 to 0.2 ounces. Can you imagine that? Only 0.1 ounce. wonder what they look like without their feathers. There must not be anything there. There must not be much there. be like a praying mantis size. <laughs> and then they have a three or four inch wingspan. You know, you think three or four inches, that's, that's not very big. That's no, and you don't see it, though. No, because they're fluttering all the time. And it said because they're so short, they can't walk. If they were on a branch, they kind of shuffle because their legs are so short. Huh. 
You see more of them in southern Ohio. Um, the males have territories. And to attract the female, they'll go up 50 feet in the air and just go zooming back down. They just dive down. So they're hot rods. Right. And that's supposed to really turn the female hummingbirds on and as part of their courtship. Okay. <laughs> you dip and dive to, to get your woman, huh? Well, I guess that's better than eating <laughs> your partner's head at the uh, end of things. <laughs> yeah, it was. See, that was, that was what? Slugs and what other uh, prey mantis? Praying mantis. Uh, and I think there's some spider that kills its uh, after it mates or something. Is it Black Widow or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. A few years ago when my mom lived in the country, she made all these birdhouses. I mean, very elaborate. I mean, they were mansions. And she put one down on the rose arbor by the, the front drive. And I'd come home, and there'd be a big old black spider, and he was like, he'd, like a, he was sitting on the porch there, and he had turned that bird, big fancy birdhouse into his house. And and there were spiders there for years, so they must have just continued to live there. You know, they'd have so babies and one of the If it was a bird mansion, what kind of mansion was it? Yeah, to a, I, uh, to a big black spider. He moved into the White House. I mean, it was really kind of humorous, you know. And he'd just be sitting there, you know, like on the porch looking around and this great big birdhouse. There are other species of hummingbirds um, that are rare. They don't really mate in Ohio, but they come to Ohio. They're, they have been seen to Ohio. One is the Anna or Annis hummingbird, and they migrate up to 4,000 miles because wow. they're up in Canada, and they, and they go to South America, the Caribbean, Central America, when they migrate. Can you imagine a little bird only weighing one point or point two ounces flying 4,000 miles? So when they're in Ohio, it's just long enough, like when they're passing through then? or Well, they just kind of come over here. They, they call them accidental sightings because they don't really mate here or live here they're just i don't know why they're coming here but oh we might get we might be getting a call here for some feedback we've been advertising feedback (laughs) (laughs) anna's hummingbird has a pink feather the males have pink feathers around their neck like i said they're kind of rare in ohio and uh, people see them in central and eastern ohio they're also known to be very, very aggressive, like all hummingbirds can be very aggressive. Another one is the calipee, Calo, calipee, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right, hummingbird. It's another rare one. It flaps its wings to attract a, a mate. Not much is known about it, and it's very defensive. It'll set up, and it'll, it'll dive even at hawks. If, if a hawk comes into its territory, it'll even attack other hummingbirds for food or um, and in the mating. So these little birds are little bullies. You wouldn't think a little bird like that would be so mean. And they uh, they migrate to the West Coast, and that's where they stay most of the, the winters on the West Coast. And there's the Rufius hummingbird. Again, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right. R-U-F-O-U-S. Very rare in Ohio, but has been seen. They also chase hawks if it get in their way, and they, they migrate 5,000 miles. And these, these birds are like the most aggressive of all the hummingbirds. They'll fight over food. They fight over mates. They'll even fight with other kinds of hummingbirds. And they like to go 130 feet in the air. And then as they dive down, their tail feathers make a noise. And that's supposed to turn on the females. That's well, how it's part of their... Well, this sounds like my kind of bird species. I just need to start migrating 5,000 miles <laughs> south during the winter, especially. Ooh. Max, I'd like to see you fl- fly... Uh... <laughs> If, if I had an airplane, I would. I, I think it would be very, very cool. 
<laughs> on that note, we'll be back in a, in a few minutes. Welcome back in the garden with Rick. We're talking about hummingbirds this morning. Oh, by the way, Rick, uh, that phone call we had a few minutes ago there, that was your mom. She wants you to bring some more of those sticky pads to help catch them bats. Yeah, she got another bat in her apartment. Oh, my goodness. They even went up in the attic and looked around for it. I, she has a number. There's a hole in her, in her, where her closet, her door is to her bathroom. And it goes up to the attic, and she stuck an umbrella in there. I was going to say, I'd be plugging that hole with something. You know, my mother's not biased at all, but she's been listening to our podcast, and she said that that would be a great thing to listen to while you're cooking dinner. She said it's funny, it's easy listening. Not that my mother's biased. No, no, of course but not. But she said those podcasts would be fun to listen to. <laughs> so, mother approved. It's mother approved. So we're talking about these hummingbirds. Um, there are other types of hummingbirds, a Mexican Violet ear and the Allen's hummingbird. And again, they're very rare. The hummingbird, ha like I said, has territories. And they, when they mate, they mate with several, the male mates with several other females. They um, lay two to three little tiny eggs. And their nests are often made of dandelion um, fluff or seeds. And they hold it together with spider webs. Doesn't that like, sound like something you'd read in a, you know, about fairies or elves or something? And they eat nectar and uh, honeysuckle. And here in a minute, I'm going to give you a list of uh, plants that are good for butterflies and hummingbirds. And you might want to get a piece of paper at the end of this segment and write down some of these plants. Hummingbirds arrive in Ohio in May, and they leave in September to mid-October. And then they start their long flight to Mexico or South America. Yeah, that's what it sounded like when that, it was in front of my face the other day. It sounds wings. like its own little helicopter. Yeah. And then they had like a squeaky, chirpy sound. You know, maybe if they're that aggressive, maybe he was trying to chase me away. Maybe there's a nest or something there and he was trying to chase me away. Because they say hummingbirds are not afraid of humans at all. Hummingbirds, when they, when they leave uh, in September, the males go first then the females, and then any offspring fly. So I thought that was interesting. They have a pecking order and how they fly to fly south. Several years ago, I had a friend in seminary in Ashland, and I was up there around Labor Day. And this woman, uh, these hummingbirds would gather in her, her yard. She had a farm outside of Asheville. And there'd be hundreds of these uh, hummingbirds, and they were getting ready to, to start flying south and uh, that always amazed me it says they will fly for 20 hours non-stop to get to their destination you just wonder how something that little could go so far well now you know why they drink all that sugar water they, they use it for the burst of energy to get down the road yeah talking about that you can make they say not to use the red dye i don't know why but they say hummingbirds are attracted to red and orange and that's why if you have red flowers or orange flowers or even something red in your garden, that attracts them. But it, I, I've read that you never use the red dye because it's harmful to them. We don't. We just put a little bit, of, well, not a little bit, a lot of sugar in one container, and they love it. 
Yeah, it says to put one part sugar, one cup sugar with four cups water. That's a lot of sugar. <laughs> and it says to put it in the microwave so you dissolve the sugar. Oh, we just stir it until it dissolves. I, I don't oh. know. Uh, you should clean the uh, feeders out regularly so mold doesn't grow in them because the mold can kill the hummingbirds. Like I said, no red dye. They think it's important to have water feature of some kind. You said you had like a little pond too. Well, we have a pond on the property, but we have a little bird bath too. Oh, okay. Yeah, bird baths will work. I have my little pond. And uh, we're going to talk about here in a minute about um, um, plants that you can grow. But there's also another, there's an insect that people confuse as a hummingbird. Have you ever heard of this insect? No, well, I've never heard, unless I've done it myself, I guess. It's a hummingbird moth. It's about the same time, or same size, I mean, as a, as a hummingbird, but it's much more colorful. Hmm. And they come out the hottest part of the day, and they, they go around to the same plants. They beat their wings 60, 80 times a second. But when you see them, you think you're seeing a, a hummingbird, but it's actually a moth. And they're in Ohio? Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw one not too long ago. I've seen them this summer. Didn't I realize that? Yeah. The, so the hummingbird, especially the ruby-throated one that we see most often, it, its beak is long and it kind of kind of curves down. The uh, moth just has a, it's like a straw-like where it sucks the nectar out through like a, like a little straw appendage. Now, it just goes for the flowers. It doesn't go for the uh, the little feeders with the sugar water? No, I think that goes mostly for the flowers. But they're awful easy. But the moth is much more colorful. It's red and green, and so there's some yellow in it. But it looks a lot like a hummingbird. Gotcha. Well, we will be back in a few minutes and talk about what plants you can put in your garden to attract the hummingbird. Welcome back in the Garden with Rick. Today we're talking about hummingbirds. One thing that's interesting, you never want to feed a bird of any kind caffeine because caffeine is deadly to birds. Now, I'm not sure with all the Diet Mountain Dew I drink, I'm, I'm wired constantly. <laughs> but caffeine's not good for, for birds. So, they, like if you, so if you're making your syrup for the, for the birds, don't put it through your coffee maker. If you're boiling the water to dissolve the sugar, oh, don't put it through your coffee maker because there could be residue caffeine in the coffee maker. And don't give them Pepsi either. No, no, not Pepsi or Mountain Dew. I think Mountain Dew has twice the caffeine as like Coke and Diet. Okay, we're going to talk about how to track the hummingbirds to your yard, and you might want to get a piece of paper and a pen and write some of this stuff down. I'm just going to give a list of uh, plants that, that you can place in your garden. And as I went through this list, I noticed I have probably three-fourths of these flowers. So that might be why they like coming into my garden. Again, we talked about uh, having the feeders. And they say the more feeders you have and you, and you position them in different spots of your garden, that's good. Use the sugar. Don't use the red dye. Have a water feature. Salvia is good. The old-fashioned salvia. Uh, you know, it gets about four or five foot tall and has the little flowers that are kind of like little lips or little... I'm not sure how you explain them. It's uh, it's not the salvia that you get for like bedding. These are the old-fashioned kind of salvia, and I have blue ones and red ones, and um, I have one that's called black and blue. The flowers come out blue and turn turn out they come out black and kind of turn a dark blue. And if I have one, I have no idea that I have it. Salvia. <laughs> they like fuchsia. 
that's something that you would grow in the spring. It's not, it doesn't well, doesn't do well in Ohio during the summer because it's a cool weather plant. Fuchsia is a very beautiful, colorful uh, flower. Virginia or um, trumpet creeper has the big or, or um, the big orange flowers that hang down, and there's also a yellow version. That plant is very aggressive, and in, in a lot of ways, I wish I never planted it because I'm constantly whacking it, hacking it, digging it up because it comes up all over the place. Oh, it tries to take over the garden. Yeah, but the hummingbirds love that. And actually, I've seen in some catalogs and magazines, they call it a hummingbird flower because they can stick their beak way in there and get that nectar. Lupins and foxglove, which don't grow so well in Ohio. Columbine, bee balm. Out there on the nature trail where I walk, there's a lot of wild bee balm. And bee balm has that kind of a minty smell, and they make it like a, a tea out of it. It's really pretty. Like I said, they like orange and red flowers. There's the cardinal flower. They like morning glories of all kinds. Honeysuckle, that's a great one for hummingbirds. The cypress vine, um, that's very easy to grow from seed. It has these little tiny little trumpet orange or red flowers and the foliage is like ferns, hmm. and they probably grow 10 foot high maybe. And one little flower in itself is not impressive, but when you grow several of them and they're blooming, it's really kind of pretty. The beauty bush, the butterfly bush is good. That's what's blooming now. It has almost like lilac-like flowers, and they really have a nice scent to them. Flowering quince, that's a spring-blooming uh, flower. Lantana is good for a hot, dry area. When I was in Kenya, I'd, we'd, after class, I'd walk with the African teachers, and we would go to uh, the store to get us a hot Coke to drink. And this lantana grew everywhere in the fields. There'd be, they have multi-colors, and one, one flower cluster might have like four or five colors, and now it's used a lot for bedding plants. They like uh, the apple and, and crabapple blossoms, cherry tree blossoms, the tulip tree, lilac, Rosa Sharon, that's that's blooming now, and that's one of my favorite shrubs, the Rosa Sharon. Also, Rosa Sharon seeds are good for cardinals. They love the rich oil that's in the seeds, and they'll eat those all winter. Nasturtium, um, we talked about that on one of our shows, how people can eat nasturtiums. They have like a spicy taste to them. Hummingbirds like them. Geraniums, impatience, petunias, zinnias, canna. Four o'clocks is a, an old-fashioned flower that opens up in the evening or in cloudy days, and it closes um, when the sun comes out. Hollyhocks, gladiolas, daylilies, these are all things that you can plant to attract the hummingbird. Coral bells, hosta, lilies, and flocks. So I, if you want to see those little critters, those little birds flying around in your garden and, and enjoy them darting around, um, Provide some of these plants, and I guarantee you they'll be there. We thank you for being with us for another show of In the Garden with Rick, and we hope to uh, see you next week. Before we go, though, we uh, wanted to. There was a quote that I had uh, seen recently, and it made me think of you. Um, the quote is by uh, an Irish novelist, Sarah Baum. Baum, I'm not for sure. It says, this morning the sun and years passed dawn. I realized that it is August, the summer's last stand. And I remembered your comments about how much you enjoyed August and you tried to cherish every last moment of summer. I do. That's a good point because winter's going to be here all too soon. And if you live in Ohio, you know how 
what, six, seven months of bluff. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you. With that, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.